Tonight's focus really is in the upper room. An amazing thing has happened in that upper room. I mean, Jesus with his disciples sharing a last meal, a Passover meal. Uh, betrayal is in the air. Uh, some of incredible teachings that Jesus would, would proclaim. And yet, for us to really see the story, for us to understand what this week means, what this night means, what the, even the upper room means, we got to take the, the, the view, the focus, just from the upper room, and move it back. Because just like every story in the Bible, the story of the upper room has a bigger story. It's a part of a bigger story. It's a part of a bigger narrative. The story of how God loves us and how God has rescued us through his only begotten son. It's incredible. So this evening, I want to focus on and take us back all the way back some 700 years before that upper room. I mean, this is clearly before a manger in Bethlehem. Uh, this is clearly before a Roman cross in an empty tomb. It would be words that a prophet by the name of Isaiah would give to God's people. And in the midst of that would be a promise. And Isaiah has many promises of God. And it talks about God's blessing in ways that we all long for. I long for a new heaven and a new earth. We long for, for the nations to gather and worship our great God. A time where peace is going to reign. A time that we all long for. But I, Isaiah is going to talk also about one who is going to come. One that will come who is a suffering servant. And so wrap your brain around that. Just try to realize that a promise of God is that a servant will come, and a servant will come that will suffer. And we all suffer. We all know the pains of suffering. But the suffering of this servant is different than anyone else's. It's through his wounds. We're going to be healed. That he's not going to suffer just for himself and suffer just in a broken world. But he's going to suffer for his people. He's going to suffer for their sins. He's going to be pierced for them. So this is Jesus. And as he is in that upper room his disciples, I'm sure, didn't understand the totality of what was happening. Didn't understand that the one that was breaking bread in their midst was the one that Isaiah said would come as the suffering servant. And I don't know how they missed it. Because Jesus has been telling them ever since he set his face toward Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed. The Son of Man, he is going to be killed. Uh, his son of man is going to be pierced. And yet, they somehow missed it. This evening, as we focus on the upper room, we focus on the suffering servant that Isaiah would say that would come. And amazingly, the one who says that through his wounds, we are healed. One of the things that a pastor wrestles with is how much scripture to give you. Initially, I was going to give you three verses in Isaiah 53. But this is God's word. And of all the things we're going to do tonight, it's the only thing that's going to be perfect. Because this is God's holy word. So let's lean into the story. Let's lean in. Let's going to pick it up in chapter 52. We're just going to read the end of 52 through 53. But hear about this suffering servant. And be mindful that this was written 700 years before Jesus arrived. 
Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told, them they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So it's going to get with more clarity. For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him smitten, stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to, to his own way. And the, Lord laid, uh, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people, and they, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Now, Father God, only you can tell the story of redemption, the true story of a suffering servant that would come to be pierced for our transgressions. Only you can foretell this story some 700 years before your son would come to shine hope that you are going to make right everything that we have broken, that all of our wounds that you are going to heal, our sins that you are going to forgive, and you're going to do that through a suffering servant. But he's more than a suffering servant. 
He's your son. He's the eternal son of God. He is the creator of God. He is the redeeming God. He is the only obedient son. And he is the one who is going to come. Come to seek and to save the lost. Come to lay his life down for his friends. Come, no one's going to take it from him. Come, be born to die. So that through his death, we could find life. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Come into this room and remind us of a story. Don't let our hearts be callous. Don't let our minds wander. Don't let us think that we know this story. Oh, come preach this story to all of us through your word and through this meal. God, remind us of what your Son, our Savior, the suffering servant, has done for us. We pray in his matchless name. Amen. 30, uh, 30 years ago this month, 30 years ago this month, it was April, that I crossed the threshold and went into full-time ministry. The prayers of my grandma became effectual. The prayers of my grandma that prayed that one day I would be a minister. And after a very brief career in the business world, I felt that calling, um, the calling that God had something more for me, uh, something different. And I had the privilege of going into the ministry. And in those 30 years, I've seen an amazing stuff. I've been, had the privilege of having a front row seat from some incredible highs and some really low lows. But 30 years of ministry, one of the things you're going to see for sure is the distance that people go to, the distance they go to try to find healing for their loved ones. When you're in the ministry, you hear all kinds of stories, and you hear sad stories of brokenness and loss, and we have them here in our midst even tonight. And you hear of the length that people will go. They'll go for their loved ones. To, they'll leave no stone unturned trying to make sure that their loved ones can be healed. Well, in the ministry, you see that from a distance, but it became personal for me in 2009. 2009, my young wife at the time was diagnosed with cancer. She didn't fit any of the, uh, the bill of what somebody should have cancer, this type of cancer. Uh, it was out of absolutely nowhere. And that pursuit for healing became personal. It became personal in a way that has never been come personal before. Those of you, and many of in this room have had it, those of you who have gone through the journey of cancer, uh, you know the distance that you'll go for a loved one. You know, some of you maybe have suffered with yourselves and you've seen your, your family go to that length. That's what you're going to do for that loved one. It's amazing what happens when someone gets cancer. You become an expert. <laughs> you become an expert in that type of cancer. You read everything you can read. You turn over every rock you can turn over. You're trying to find out what is it that a loved one is searching for. And I'm telling you, there's a, funda a fundamental three questions that always rise to the surface for anyone who is pursuing, especially with cancer, health. These three questions are always asked. The first one is this. Where is the right place to go for healing? That's what you want to know first. Because here's where you go. You don't want to have waste time in the place that's not the right place. I'm telling you right now, here's what you got to know. you got to know what the right place is. You don't want to go to a, a B-rated place 
for a loved one. You want to find out where is the best place. I mean, I'll get there. Just tell me where it is. I do not want to waste one nanosecond in a place I shouldn't be. So the first one is where is the right place to go for healing? The second one is this. And what's the right per person? What's the right doctor? And it's interesting. When you pick a family doctor or you pick a pediatrician, when you pick often a doctor, one of the most important things is their bedside manner. When you're dealing with cancer, you could give a rat's fanny about bedside manner. I'm telling you, you don't care. You don't care, you know, if he could talk to you. You don't care how nice he's going to be to you. Here's what you want to know. Can you heal my loved one? I mean, can you do it? Are you gifted enough? How, how trained are you? How experienced are you? Are you the right person? And many of us have walked through that. When you've got to do things like find surgeons, when you've got to find the right treatments, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's painful. But you want to know who's the right person. What's the right place for healing? Who's the right person? And thirdly, what's the right treatment? What's the right treatment? What's, what's going to give us, what's the latest and the greatest and the best? I remember in 2009, Katie and I had a decision between two treatments. One that was more proven with a longer track record, uh, that had uh, more to it, that had longer, long lifetime uh, uh, ramifications, and one that was new, that would maybe provide less physical scars. But you wrestle with the fact of what do you do, something that's not proven or something that's true? And God is amazing and gracious, by the way. You know that my story, I mean, here she is so many years later with great health. But those three questions come to everybody. For God's family, for us, the right place for healing, the right place of healing for our wounds, the right place of healing for our sins, the right place for our diseases, the right place for us to always be is at the cross of Christ Jesus. This is the right place. This is where you go. For God's family, the right person. He's God in flesh. He's the only begotten Son. His name is the name above every name. His name is Jesus. He is that suffering servant. And incredibly, that through his wounds, we are healed. Through his wounds, we are forgiven. Through his wounds, we are free. The right place, the cross, the right person, Jesus. For God's family, the right treatment is an infusion. Some of you have had some infusions recently. I remember infusions of chemo and some nasty stuff to try to bring healing. But for the Christian, the infusion is not chemo. The infusion is Christ Jesus. It's being in Christ. It's amazing that by God's grace through faith, we can be united to him. We can be one in him. We can have an infusion of his life. His death becomes our death. His life, our life. His righteousness, our righteousness. This is where healing comes from. It comes from Christ being in the right alignment with him. I'm going to ask you this question. What wounds do you bring into this place this evening? What wounds do you bring? Do you bring an absent father wound? A wound from a father that maybe you can never please? Do you bring in an overbearing mother wound? Or maybe an alcoholic parent wound? Do you bring in an all alone wound? 
Do you have wounds and brokenness from childhood? Maybe because of abuse. Maybe at the hands of abuse of somebody who should have loved you and protected you. Instead, they exposed you. And they took advantage of you. Do you have wounds of a failed marriage? Or a failing marriage? Do you have wounds from sharp words, angry words that were pointed in your direction? Do you have wounds that came from another person's sins? Sins of betrayal? Maybe you have wounds from your own sins and your own bad mistakes. A wounded heart. You know we're the walking wounded, right? <laughs> it's everybody. I mean, there's no one who lives on this earth more than 20 minutes that's not the walking wounded. We have family-inflicted wounds. We have self-inflicted wounds. We have spouse-inflicted wounds. We have children-inflicted wounds. We have friend-inflicted wounds. We have coach, mentor, pastor-inflicted wounds. We have work-related inflicted wounds. My goodness, we even have church-inflicted wounds, don't we? Let's be honest. We're wounded. Tonight, I invite you to look to Jesus. Tonight, I invite you to look to him to heal your wounds. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 say this, Surely he has borne our griefs and he carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. What wounds do you have that you bring in here tonight? You can try to ignore them. You can try not to think about them. You can try to numb them. You can try to find something that will take the pain away. Time will help. But he's the only one who could heal your wounds. What sins do you bring into this place this evening? I mean, let's just be real for a moment. What sins? We all, although we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, we're all broken sinners stumbling on our way home. What addictions do you struggle with? Or maybe for some, you've even given up on the struggle. Oh, forget it. I can't do it. I just continually fall habitually over and over and over again. I'm just giving in. Where in your life is pride out of control? Who do you continually envy? Struggling with others' giftedness compared to your own? Where has your self-centeredness blinded you to those around you? What has captured your heart in an unhealthy way? What possessions do you possess that possess you more than they should? What relationship do you have that has such power over you that if depending on how that relationship goes, you go? It's like a thermostat. If they're nice to you, you feel good. If they're mean, you don't feel good. They have the power over you. They have somehow the control to let your world feel good or bad. What relationship has that power over you? What pet sins have you, do you habitually fall into? Telling yourself, you know what, you really deserve this. Or maybe telling yourself you need this. Or maybe even telling yourself that it was others' fault, that they forced you into it. If your wife was just a little warmer, you wouldn't have to go here. 
If you could just have a different response to a relationship, you wouldn't have to go there. It's really someone else's fault. If my bosses would get off my back, I wouldn't have to drink. If, if things were just a little bit easier, I wouldn't have to run to this. What sin are you carrying? Tonight again, I invite you to turn to Jesus. To look to him. To him alone for the forgiveness of your sins. Here again, Isaiah. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for the guilt. He was pierced for us to make us right, righteous, and whole. He was numbered with transgressors. He became our sin. Our great God offers us today healing. Tonight, he offers you healing. Healing for wounds. Maybe you didn't come here thinking, whoa, I didn't know I was going to dive this deep. But this is the moment. This is the time. This is where we dive deep. It's at the cross. And we know that through his wounds we are healed. Tonight, we're going to begin at the cross. The emblem of suffering and, suffering and shame. To ask him to end our suffering and shame. And we're going to go to the table. This is the fruit of the cross. This is the reminder, the tangible reminder of what the gospel has done. And we're going to celebrate what it means to be infused in Christ. To make sure that we have that cure in Christ Jesus.